0: like at Princeton like I had a really critical voice my freshman year like just that was one thing that held me back so much as a player and then over time I became more comfortable and confident in who I was as a player um and that voice you know it goes away after a while um and so I think you know in the pros um in my first season with WNBA I could hear that voice pretty loud at the beginning and then over time it it you know it gets a little quieter. So I think it's just, it comes with like a new environment and the different like stress, like you're under the different pressure. Um, But if you just like continue to be confident and kind of just keep pushing, like it gets, it kind of quiets down a little bit.
1: Welcome to the Inside Game with your host, Dr. Julie Amato.
2: Hi everyone, welcome to the Inside Game podcast, I'm Julia Mato. I'm a clinical and sports psychologist and I work with college and professional athletes on their mental wellness and mindset. The goal of the podcast is to learn about how great athletes develop their inside game. Basically, how do they mentally prepare, handle setbacks, and make sense of their life experiences. This week's conversation is with Bella Allery. Bella's career at Princeton was incredible. She was the ivy league rookie of the year her freshman year and then was voted the conference player of the year each of the next three years during her time at princeton the team won an astounding three ivy league championships and she graduated as the program's all-time leading scorer her senior season was cut short by the covid19 pandemic so we won't ever get to know what kind of damage her princeton team could have done in the ncaa tournament But she did finish her senior year as an AP Honorable Mention All-American and was drafted fifth overall by the Dallas Wings. This is the highest selection in the draft in Princeton women's basketball history. She just finished her rookie season with the Wings and is now in Turkey starting her first season playing professional basketball abroad. Bella is really awesome. She's a down-to-earth person with some great insights to share. Let's dive into this week's conversation with Bella Allery. Bella, how are you?
0: Doing great. Yeah, I'm in Turkey, just coming off my like first WNBA season, so I'm feeling good.
2: Yeah, I mean, first things first, congrats on your first season and, you. you know, being selected fifth overall, which is uber impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Like, talk about that a little bit. Like, what was your first season like?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was obviously super different than any WNBA season that's ever happened, being in the bubble and everything. Um I really enjoyed it. I felt like this whole summer like every day I got better. I learned like so much more about myself and like myself as a player and I think my team just got better every day. Um but it was I mean definitely challenging, you know, going into this environment that's pretty much like all basketball all the time. It could be a little overwhelming. Um but I was I mean I was lucky to have like really good teammates and friends that, you know, kind of like supported me through my first season.
2: Yeah, obviously it was a unique year with the pandemic and and such. Um, and I know you've gotten peppered with questions, you know, over the course of the year about the wobble and, and what life is like in there. So maybe I'll avoid that for now, but I'm glad that you had a good first year. It was fun to watch you. I tuned into quite a few games and and to see you out there and contributing in your first year was like really fun.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, it was cool. It's It's so interesting going from like a league, like the Ivy League and, with everyone in WNBA everyone comes out of college as kind of like the go-to player on their team. And then you show up in the WNBA, there's 144 of just the best players in the world. So it's, it's so competitive and there's just so much to learn, but um, it's, you know, you just feel like truly like blessed when you're out there getting to play against like some legends and just competing every night with the best players. That's really cool. I just
2: watched you do something in that moment, which was like, look at this situation where you're like, wow, now I'm in a group with 144 of the best players in the world. And then really quickly, you went to like, I'm grateful. And like, it's a cool opportunity to learn. Where does that mindset come from? Because I think some people might walk into that situation and be totally overwhelmed and intimidated.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I was definitely overwhelmed at times. And it is intimidating. Like the first time you step on the floor and Diana Taurasi is, you know, on the court too. It's like, oh my gosh, this is it's kind of a dream come true but it is scary and I think for me so much of my like career as a basketball player has been like adapting and just always trying to get better and like appreciate what I have in front of me and like what I what I can achieve that's that's right there in front of me so um, you kind of just have to like keep a perspective like especially as a rookie like you're not going to come in and be the MVP of the league immediately there's so much to learn like so many players that you can learn from so i don't know i just try to keep keep a like good perspective on things and and never really like look too much in the long term just kind of keep everything close in the short term
2: yeah that's really cool i you mentioned princeton obviously you and i share uh, a princeton bond in a way that i'm a sports psychologist working with princeton athletes and so i was there the same time you were there Got to watch you practice and, and some other things, and so so coming from that setting and having to make the transi- transition into the WNBA is obviously you know a significant climb. But even coming from high school into Princeton, maybe talk about that a little bit because the athletes that I work with, you know, a lot of them that I end up seeing for sports psychology consultation are freshmen who are just like, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> you know, just what you talked about. Like I was, I was the best player on my team and you know potentially even the team was really successful and now they're into college athletics where it's like oh wow everybody's really Mm -hmm. good so how was that for you sort of the transition from high school to Princeton?
0: Yeah I mean I felt like like going to a place like Princeton I knew I was going to be challenged and that was what I wanted. I wanted to go to a school that was you know academically challenging and high level. I wanted an Ivy League degree. I've always like my family has always had me put academics first and that's kind of instilled in me. So I wanted to go to a place like Princeton and obviously the basketball is great there too, but it is a mid-major school. Um, It's not like you said, like a power five conference. And, but I did know going in, like I'd be getting the best of both worlds and kind of getting everything I wanted in one place. Um, But yeah, I mean, I felt like I was ready for college. I was excited. And then I remember, I think it was October of my freshman year. My mom came to visit for the weekend and like we had a great weekend, like went to dinner and stuff together. And she was, we live in Maryland. So she was like a three hour drive away and she dropped me off. And I remember like breaking down in the car and being like, I can't do this. This is like, so like I'm way over my head. Like this is like the craziest thing I've ever done like why why am I at Princeton like I don't fit in here like it's too much and I was just like so overwhelmed and I remember her being like you you've been here one month and like you're gonna be fine like you're it's so new like you're in college like you're away from home for the first time like everything is gonna be different and more challenging but like you're built for this like you've always like put yourself in the position to, like, be uncomfortable and, like, grow from it. And she was, she was right. I mean, it, it did take me some time to adjust to being at Princeton, but um, I was able to, like, find my place and, like, find out, like, who I really was, like, what kind of student and player and person I would be, and, like, really just love my time at Princeton so much. Um, But she, she did tell me, like, she was waiting for that that day when I broke down because so many parents of, you know, women's basketball players had told her like, just wait for the day when like Bella's like, just so overwhelmed to the point, like she's gonna call home and it happens to everyone. But like when everyone graduates, they're just so happy with their time. So um, I think, yeah, to answer your question, like I thought I was ready, but it definitely like took me some time for sure.
2: Yeah, it's an adjustment. and. I think sometimes people look at professional athletes and think, wow, like they're just so talented and gifted and they don't struggle with things. Everything comes easily. And that's just not the case. Obviously, you've got Mm -hmm. to struggle and and that's how you grow. And I know that's a huge point of emphasis at Princeton, which is this idea of having a a growth mindset. I know you've definitely heard that term before. (laughs) I can see you smiling. Be (laughs) Be a tiger. It's like an acronym and the G is growth minded. Um, is that the first time you had heard that? Does that sink in for you? Does that resonate for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, growth minded. I've, I feel like kind of my whole life, like I've wanted to have that growth mindset, even as, you know, a middle schooler, like, so my dad coached me for the longest time and he always was pushing me and, you know, telling me where I could be better, how I could improve. And, you know, as like, a preteen like girl like I hated like when my dad would tell me like what I needed to work on and and like critique me because he cared so much and wanted me to be a great player but um, I've always kind of had to like learn to be excited about growing and getting better because that's I mean that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna make it is if you if you want to keep improving Um, so yeah from a young age like I learned, you know, through my dad and stuff to always, like, push yourself and, and see where you can improve, and I've kind of done that at every, at every level of, of my basketball career.
2: Yeah, that's really smart and great advice from your dad, even as a kid yeah. not wanting to always hear the advice from a parent, um, but you've had some other really good coaches, obviously, in Courtney Banghart and then Coach Carla Barubi. Um, And I had an opportunity actually to talk with Carla about you. Sorry for talking behind your back, but um, I just wanted to get her perspective on you. And of course she had nothing but great things to say, but one of the things she did talk about was how you are always up for a challenge and always wanting to get better. And she observed that. Obviously she observed a polished version of you in your senior Mm -hmm. year. Um, But the other thing she talked about was never letting the moment get too big. And, Mm -hmm. um, that you don't get too high or too low and so that that kind of puts you in the category with like an elite athlete and that's an elite mental skill which is like when the big moments are there like you're ready and in fact you kind of rise and even if there's mm-hmm. a team you're playing against who you're expected to beat you don't just like show up and, and not bring your a game then as well yeah. is that something that you take pride in is that something that you're intentional about you first of all do you agree with her and then how do you how do you do that
0: yeah, no, I agree with her. I think, honestly, for me, all my best games are when it's like the toughest challenge. Like when I feel like maybe I should be the most nervous. Um, it's I like Penn is our rival, and I feel like every time we played them, like my best self usually showed up. And that was I don't I don't think it was intentional. I was always like had the same butterflies I had before every game. But I think for me, having these big challenges and like the excitement and realizing that it's not just about me, it's about my team and what I can do to get us a win that day. Um, That kind of keeps your perspective. And for me in those moments, I felt like I was my best self.
2: That's really cool. That's what I'm trying to help athletes with. Can you be your best self when it matters the most? And I think some athletes really struggle with that because of the pressure the expectation. So for you as an athlete, if you think about the fact that, you know, I'm just going to like brag on you a little bit here, you are the freshman of the year in the Ivy league. So once you got past that October meltdown with your mom, you ended up actually having a really good and productive year. Um, Mm -hmm. you guys don't win the Ivy championship that year. In fact, I saw that game, uh, at Penn and I thought, wow, this kid's really good. You know, as a freshman, you were playing really well. You show up the next three years and win Ivy League Player of the Year each of those years. It's pretty rare to win that, uh, a conference player of the year as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And then your team wins three Ivy titles, basically, (laughs) in those three years. So you're the best player on the best team in the conference. And I imagine every day people expect you to perform. What is that like managing the pressure expectations? Or is that something you don't think much
0: about? I think I I always I always have pressure on myself. I think going into every season, what you said, those those things I accomplished, those were the goals. Like I wrote down on paper and told my coach like I wanted to accomplish. And it's kind of scary, like writing down that you want to be the player of the year as a sophomore and like knowing if it doesn't happen, like you haven't like reached that goal. But I think for me, kind of letting my coach know like someone i trusted that this was something i wanted to achieve that they would like help push me and support me like every day to reach that goal and so i think like having like these these big things you want to reach like individually and as a team and then kind of putting it out there and being vulnerable to those goals like makes you just work extra hard every day and then at the end of the day all you can do is kind of trust your work ethic and all the time you put in and, and kind of like hope for the best at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always pressure and stuff. But I felt like I was always like really excited for the games and stuff because I felt prepared. And I also felt like I was surrounded by like, really supportive teammates and coaches that like, I didn't want to let down. But I also knew they wouldn't let me down in those moments. So it made it like, I mean, it's obviously, like, hard to win three Ivy League championships as a team, but when you're all there, you know, with the same goals all working together, like, it it's not as daunting.
2: You said a couple of things there that are just, like, total pearls of wisdom for <laughs> anyone who's trying to be better at their sport. Um, one of them was basically setting goals and writing them down. I mean, that's one of the best things we can do in terms of, you know, sports psychology practice is, you know, What is your vision of what you want to become? What do you want to do? Actually see it and make it tangible, write it down, commit it to paper. And then you took the next step of sharing it with someone else. And there is definite vulnerability in that, especially your sophomore year. I didn't know this, that you actually said your sophomore year, I want to be the conference player of the year. Bella, it's so cool that you did that. And I think that's important for any athlete. The other part that you brought up that was cool was the word excitement. So when you go into games, you feel excited. And earlier you talked about butterflies. Athletes that come to me with those butterflies sometimes see that as a bad thing. It sounds like you've found a way to channel that as a good thing. Like, how how do you do that when you notice those butterflies?
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes butterflies are a lot and it just takes you a minute to like calm yourself. But I think having like a routine or something that you like go back to before games, like on the bus, I'll listen to music in the locker room, like my team will like, like in college, we like had the speaker on even this past season, we turned on the speaker and kind of like let loose and kind of just relax a little bit. Um, Cause if you start to like internalize too much in those moments, I think that's when you start to really stress yourself out. Um, but even when I was super nervous, like, I would sometimes talk to my coach about it, like before games, be like, you know, like I'm kind of stressed out right now. Like I'm excited, but you know, it's kind of just knowing like what you need that day. There are games where you're less, there's not a lot of butterflies, but you kind of need them to get you like hyped up for the game. And I think it's just like kind of knowing yourself and, and what mentality you're in that day. And then like having like the right teammates or coaches to kind of go to, um, or those, like little things like, you know, listening to music or something that kind of get you like in the right mindset.
2: Yeah, those are great tools. Sometimes in sports psychology, we talk about this level of arousal that you need for performance. You know, if you want to 10 it, you know, ten's like you're about to throw up And and one is like you're still half asleep, right? I mean, you want to be in that sweet spot of like that five or six where, you know, you do have some stress or some you know, almost the butterflies or the anxiety, you don't want to be asleep, but you definitely don't want to be throwing up either. So I love this idea of there are times where you need to dial it up. And like, maybe you need to have some like pump up music for that or get with that teammate who's always super hype. Um, Or times Mm -hmm. where you need to sort of dial it down, you know, hey, let me talk with coach and just admit like, yeah, I'm a little nervous right now. Um, Maybe take those deep breaths and so that, that's really cool. Those are really smart strategies. Even if you don't know you were using sports psychology,
0: you, you were. I picked up a lot of tools just from like teammates and coaches and like my dad and even like people not in the basketball world that just kind of understand how to deal with like anxiety or nerves. Like we all kind of go through the same things in different like zones of our life. So um, I'm glad I like picked up those little things along the way.
2: No, totally. You're, you're a lifelong learner. And you're right. It doesn't have to be a formal counseling session. It's just going into things with curiosity, listening to people who've been there before. I mean, you were really fortunate to have a dad who played in the NBA and who's mm-hmm. kind of been there and done that. Um, and so to pick up those things and to then put them in place and watch them work is kind of fun, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Bella, going to take this moment right now to let you see a clip that I have here with uh, a talk I had with your coach Carla Bruby, and just see what you think about what Carla had to say when I when I asked her about you and and her getting the job at Princeton
1: essentially. Princeton opened up, and I was like, you know, I could have a chance to to coach Bella, you know, even if it's for just one year. Like, what an amazing way to start my new journey at at Princeton, and um, and she right away like just just blew me away um, with just her maturity and her genuineness and um and she was just so welcoming to to me and then to to my staff and and just helped out with this transition so much so i you know i can't you know thank her you know enough for 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 helping me and and making this you know first year which is you know any time it's like it's it's scary and you don't know what you're getting into and it just could not have gone you know any any better and i i and I owe a lot to to her for you know for making um you know this this so special and um you know my kids love you know my my kids love her and my daughter talks about her like you know all the time and um and so she just she has you know she's just made a big impact on you know on my life and my family and so it's um you know I'm just you know always will be rooting. You know for her and, and and in her corner um you know for for life
2: oh that was so cute, was so cute. <laughs> tell me what you, you know, i mean look i'm a psychologist right so i could go into the touchy feels here but how did that make you feel what did you think about hearing that from carla
0: yeah i mean if you could see me on the screen like i couldn't stop smiling um i mean especially my senior year, um, like I had coach Banghart for three years and I wasn't really expecting her to leave for my last year. And so um, I had no, like, I really didn't know what to expect and I was kind of nervous, but, you know, talking to coach Berube, I, I wanted to make sure her transition was smooth and that we worked together, um, me and Taylor as captains and her and her staff, you know, um, to make it the best year possible. And, I think there's always like this, like maybe stigma around like transition years for teams where it's going to be like bumpy and like no one's going to know what to do and you're not going to be successful. But like, I mean, I'm so grateful that she came for my senior year because I think we did so like everything really well, Um, obviously had a great record and a great season and I mean, for her to say those things, it means the world to me. I'm glad she, you know, felt like I was welcoming and that she'll, like, support me forever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was just super nice. I think she's she's an awesome coach in person. I'm I was just really lucky that I had a year, um, especially my senior year with her.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's clear how much respect she has for you. And, you know, as a mom, too, I know when she brings in the small children and says that they love you, it's – to me, that just says something about you as a human being—that you're a kind-hearted person and a caring person. So that—that's super cool, Bella. Um, when you got to the W and you joined Dallas, and you guys are down there in Florida all together, was there someone there welcoming you to the team? You know, maybe you could talk a little bit about how players or coaches or anyone that went out of their way to make your transition easier.
0: Yeah, I think. Well, right before we went to the bubble, I was in Dallas and. We were training for like two weeks before we we went to the bubble and i spent a lot of time with katie lou and megan um who both had a year with the wmb under their belt and they were super welcoming and gave me like so much advice and we became friends like all of us really quickly and spent a lot of time together um especially in the bubble but um I think the big thing is that like they kind of understood what I was going through as a rookie because they had just done it a year before, but they're also going through, you know, their own changes and stuff as you know, second years, um, like on new teams, you know, in a new environment. So we kind of were able to like all help each other through that time. Um, and, you know, they were able to give me a ton of good advice and just be like really supportive. So I feel like, us three like did spend a lot of time together and kind of were like a good support network for each other.
2: It's so important to find that, you know, when you join a new team, and I know so many athletes go from different AAU teams and then going into college, not everybody gets to make the transition to the pros, but finding your people and people who have the same sort of mindset that you do or same core values, I think makes the transition much easier. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Who were you the most starstruck to see in the bubble or play against? I mean, like, did anyone, like, totally blow your mind there?
0: There's so many. Like, I felt like there were so many moments walking around where I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was was really cool because those are all kind of your idols growing up, people you've been watching on TV. Um, I've been a fan of WNBA. And so, like, even watching the finals last year, like, you kind of just see them as, you know – these like celebrities and then you're just around them um which which was really surreal but I guess my first like major one was running into Sue Bird like walking past her at COVID testing and that was just kind of like I was like oh my god it's Sue Bird um but I mean everyone I ran into throughout the summer was just really nice and cool and welcoming and um it was it was just a really cool experience like every day stepping on the court against you know the f- former mvps or like whatever it was just pretty surreal
2: did you feel like uber nervous for your first game
0: yeah oh my gosh like, On
2: a scale like were you near oh, to grow up or
0: <laughs> oh gosh i mean it's one of those things where you just really have no idea what to expect um at all And you, I mean, we went through a training camp and everything. I, I think I only played like three minutes in my first game and just the nerves, like being out there for the first time, like we're just through the roof and you're nervous about like, am I going to make my first like bucket today? Like, am I going to mess up? Like what's happening? Like it was, it's definitely scary and overwhelming, but it's kind of like, I mean, after that first game, like with every game, like your nerves kind of go down a little more, you feel more comfortable. Um, You get to know like your team better, the arena, just everything feels a little less overwhelming.
2: If you miss a few shots in a row, is does that critical voice in your head get flipped on? Or are you kind of at a place now where you don't allow things like that, those little micro failures to bother you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, sometimes it comes in waves, Um, and especially when I'm in like a new environment, or I'm trying to like prove myself to teammates or a new coach or something, sometimes that critical voice can be really loud, and it's really hard to like overcome that, because you're already nervous, and you're always, you know, you're giving your best, and sometimes the shots aren't falling. Um, And so for like at Princeton, like I had a really critical voice my freshman year, like just that was one thing that held me back so much as a player. And then over time I became more comfortable and confident in who I was as a player. Um, And that voice, you know, it goes away after a while. Um, And so I think, you know, in the pros um, in my first season with WNBA, I could hear that voice pretty loud at the beginning. And then over time it, it, you know, it gets a little quieter. So I think it's just, it comes with like a new environment and, the different like stress, like you're under the different pressure. Um, but if you just like continue to be confident and kind of just keep pushing, like it gets, it kind of quiets down a little bit.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, you're right. It's obviously with the benefit of experience, you know, and you get used to situations that voice, you know, naturally quiets down. Some people have strategies or techniques to just ugh, let it go like I hear you but I gotta focus on playing basketball right now and it sounds like you've been able to do that you know as the season progressed um, are there particular moments in the season that you felt like you know I've I've talked to I used to consult with the New York Liberty so I've talked to some of the rookies and different players throughout the league that talk about like a rookie wall is that something that you experienced at all you guys are playing every other day or do you feel like that's like a, a figment of people's imaginations <laughs>
0: I mean it's just I think it's interesting like for me one of the big things that like was like scaring me was like am I gonna like miss my first shot like when am I gonna score my first basket or like am I gonna get scored on is this like am I gonna embarrass myself like you're a rookie so there's some like the veteran players are so smart and kind of know how to how to play the game and you just you don't really know them yet. And they, you don't know the same, the tendencies that everyone's kind of been studying for years and kind of learning. Um, I think there's definitely rookies that have that wall and then they, there's some that like get past it better than others. And I think for me, it definitely took me a little bit longer than maybe some of the other rookies to kind of like find myself and like be a little more confident out there. Um, But there's just like, so many little things that like you normally don't think about but as a first year like for some reason they're like at the top of your head in the front of your mind so it's just kind of trying to just get past them and then like kind of breaking that seal and then going forward
2: yeah I mean as a Princeton grad it's safe to say you're a thinker um (laughs) you know and and that's a good thing you you want to be a thinker you just don't want to be an overthinker right or you're just like analyzing every little thing and, you know, allowing a narrative to get created. That's really, really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I was glad to watch your progress over the year. It did seem like your nerves settled as the season went on. You were able to come in and have some really good significant minutes and have an impact, you know, which is really fun. Yeah. You, find, you you said something earlier about comparing yourself to other rookies, you know, in this case, unfavorably, you thought other people adjusted more quickly than you do you think that's fair to do that to compare yourself
0: I mean I think for me because I'm always like kind of critical of myself as a player I end up like comparing myself to others but I mean you're right to point it out like it's not it's not the healthiest thing to always be comparing like your journey and like how you're playing to to everyone else but I think for me like Sometimes it's so natural for me to like come into a situation and try to like measure myself up with everyone else um, but i I don't think it's the best practice obviously I think you you want to have your own journey your own story and and kind of see success at your at your own rate and be like proud of what you do and not compare it to others but it is something like I'm always trying to work on is to be you know less critical and trying to compare myself to others less because I think that can really hold you back.
1: Yeah,
2: it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, I think, I think, Bella, comparing yourself to others is natural in sport and it probably got you a little bit to where you are, right? To sort of Mm -hmm. use others as a measuring stick and, and it makes sense to some degree until it starts to undermine somebody's confidence. You know, so obviously working at Princeton I see athletes come in who are like, oh, I feel so dumb. I'm like, dumb? Like, there's no way you're at the number one university in the country. But when you're comparing yourself, now the comparison group is you're in the 1%, right? The mm-hmm. 1% smartest and most skilled. So it's easy to start to feel that, um, that negative self-worth if you compare yourself to other people all the time. So it's really, you're right. It's really about your own journey and your own path. But it's easy sometimes, I think, to get stuck, especially with like, Oh my God, you guys have to deal with social media and all that stuff. Um, Well, let's do something a little fun. Maybe get to know a little bit of either the Dallas Wings or the WNBA in general. If you could pick like one person to have, you know, obviously you're a center, Bella, you're 6'5". And my son always wonders who can dunk, by the way. And and you can dunk, and we're gonna look forward to seeing that maybe someday that'll be the goal you write down, like dunk on somebody. It's going in the journal. (laughs) Okay, it's going in. who would you pick for a two-on-two partner?
0: Ooh, that's tough. I might say, I might say Satu. I think she's like super, super versatile as a player. And if we're out there like defending, we're both pretty long. So that I think it'd be hard for people to get shots up past us. Um, but she's kind of one of those players that like does it all out there. So I think it'd be fun, Like we'd be a good duo. Ooh. Ooh,
2: yeah i would pay to see that um yeah. who did you think was like who had the best sense of humor in the wobble
0: the best sense of humor that jokes our league is like so funny like i kind of felt like i was always laughing and people were just doing funny stuff all the time on my team i think like alicia gray is so quiet but everything she says like Cracks me up. Like she is one of the sneaky funniest people, like ever.
2: That's super fun. Um, who did who seemed to be the most like intensely competitive?
0: Ooh, I think. Like to be honest, like everyone in the WNBA is insanely competitive. Like, yes. there's some crazy people like I think all of us are are there because we're so hyper competitive and I think it it shows differently in different players um I'll try to stick to the the wings though I think oh that's hard I think Enrique is really competitive um she kind of wants to win in everything like even when we shot like half court shots she was always mad if she wasn't in the finals or <laughs> winning those. So I think she was always competing with everyone.
2: Um, that's so funny. You say that. I remember going to New York Liberty practices last year and you're right. I mean, everybody's super competitive. Just the practices in general are so different you know, than, than yeah. college basketball. Everybody's just so on point and efficient, but I remember there was a drill. It was like, you had to get a certain number of points in like a time frame and Kia Nurse was partnered with Tina Charles and the post players are allowed to shoot like closer range, but Kia had to shoot three pointers. And she had like the team manager nearby, like with like a provisional ball, like on either side in case there was like a long rebound and Tina didn't get it. That that's how dedicated she was to like win this drill. She's like, look, like if my ball, if there's like a long rebound, like I need the provisional ball, like at the ready. And it was like, she was playing in the WNBA finals. I'm like, Oh my God. But that's how switched on. I think, you know, the 144 R as you said.
0: For sure. I mean, you're right. Like every drill, every practice, like everyone is there to win it. Like you're, you're not there to just like waste time. So I think um, it's true. Like I don't really know anyone who isn't like super hyper competitive.
2: Well, Bella, it's been really fun talking with you and and seeing you in this new setting there in Turkey is is amazing and I'm super excited for you and your journey and the path ahead. Um, Anything that you would wish to say to, Anyone listening just in terms of general advice around mindset or just you know your approach to to living life.
0: Yeah, I think the best thing I can say is like be confident in who you are. Like I grew up like a really like tall like kind of awkward basketball player and I was never like fully embracing like my height and like my basketball ability and everything. Um, and I wasn't, like, truly, like, confident in myself, and then I don't really know when it happened, but I kind of flipped the switch, and I felt like everything kind of, like, changed for the better, like, I was, like, comfortable in my own skin, like, being, like, being, like, 6'5", and I was, like, comfortable on the court and, like, confident in myself, and I think it just, like, made me happier all around, so I would say to anyone, just, like, really embrace, like, the reasons why you're different and the reasons why you're special and you'll go really far and you'll be you'll be really happy
2: that is really well said that's that's another gem thank you so much for that and it's been really really fun talking with you so um bella if people wanted to follow you where could they do that
0: you can follow me on instagram and twitter bella underscore allery is my handle so Check okay. me out.
2: <laughs> I will. I, I do already, but I, I need to see this Turkey vlog and some of the other things that you're doing. Yeah.
0: It's
2: going to be fun wow. to be a part of your journey that way. So thank you, Bella, for your time.
0: Awesome. Thank you so
2: much. Okay. Okay. So here's a quick breakdown of some insights from Bella's inside Game. Number one, have a growth mindset. Embrace challenges as opportunities to learn and grow. Number two, have a vision for yourself as a player, set goals, write them down and take the next step of being vulnerable. Share them with someone who will support and challenge you along the way. Number three, know yourself and what you need to get excited for competition and manage butterflies. You can use music, teammates to get more amped up and know the people to go to when you need to dial down the nervous energy. Number four, embrace what makes you different or unique. Self-acceptance is a key part of happiness. Thank you so much, Bella, for these great insights.
1: Thank you for listening to The Inside Game. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment to support the podcast.